I don't think he dreams any longer. Well, he's never dreamed. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Does Nick do <laughs> Nick Saban's dream of Rodrigo Blankenship's? Incredible. Welcome to Chapel Belker, Stats Focus podcast about UJ football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we will go over a few things. We're going to go over uh, those folks that we don't think about all too much, just a little bit before we talk about the... Uh, just a touch. Uh, just a touch. Just a drop in the bucket. But uh, before we talk about the much anticipated SEC championship game coming up this Saturday, we have bukus of questions. We have lots of info. Um, and we kind of have... That just that that first thing to start with, Nathan. Do you want to kind of talk about uh, your past weekend, maybe your holiday week, and how was your trip to Atlanta? Sure. Uh, so my holiday week was good. Uh, lots of relaxing time. Um, got to see the family both in Athens and in Carrollton. I went back over to Carrollton on um, Friday morning, and then I drove in to meet the band in Atlanta. Oh, that was it. Was not just me. A lot of people meet the band when we practice on Saturday morning. Um, you know, the game was uneventful. Um, in that, in in the sense that, like, I, you know, we we got a lot of questions about how frustrated everybody was, but mm-hmm. like, I didn't really feel like it was that close up to halftime. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I it just didn't feel like it really was. There's anything. I don't know. Um, it, I mean, I see what you're saying. I definitely felt like I remember sitting there watching it, and despite all of the mistakes that Georgia continued to make, like the the three fumbles and turnovers, yeah, um, you know, Georgia Tech just can't really get it together. <laughs> uh, and it makes sense. I mean, they're having a huge overhaul in their entire system, and from what I could tell, like just from the eye test alone, they had a really neat, like a, a lot of really neat plays coming out. A lot of things that would have been happening had their quarterback been connecting with their receivers but they just kind of threw it into the ground overthrew receivers they you know missed a bunch of blitzes and probably chose wrong on on quite a few options but it looks like georgia tech could be good eventually but it's not going to be anytime soon necessarily jeff collins is a proven coach right they Mm -hmm. just don't have the talent i mean this is game this is a game where like you said you had functionally three turnovers turnovers in a row um, especially if you count after the touch their single points on the day, the uh the the successful onside kick that led to a punt, which was just some mm-hmm. mm, yummy 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 yummy. <laughs> that that was really, really beautiful. But like even with all three of these, there's really not I mean, I don't know, there's just really not a lot to say. I like they, you know, they only scored seven points off of three turnovers if you count the onside kick. And I, I just, it didn't feel that close to me, if only in the sense that I didn't think they were ever going to move the ball. I thought that it, there was a decent chance that if we didn't get the, uh, if we didn't get the um, offense together, that we would end up, you know, winning twenty-four to ten or whatever. But then we just decided to actually execute a couple of individual plays. I don't know necessarily that it was a great half offensively. I think I'm starting to think that a lot of our offensive problems are execution wise. And that's weird. Um, Cause Coley, I think has done a little bit better on calling, but there's just been some bad blocking. It looked like to me at the game. Um, as mm. for my experience, we kind of wandered far field here as you as per that's usual, okay. but um, as for my experience of the game, you know, tech fans continue to be just 
I, I, I hesitate to even like Georgia Tech's band, very gracious hosts, you know, they were good to us, but, and I have a lot of friends who are Georgia Tech fans who I have nothing, no, no problem with whatsoever, man. Like just, there's a lot of Georgia Tech fans in particular, I would say just sort of like hardcore student types that are just kind of tools, man. <laughs> and they're, and they're, yeah. I'm trying to like keep my anger low. You know, this is like a long, uh, this is a, this is a, a long, long podcast this is a slow burn, but I, I, it's just kind of, they're not, it's, they're just not fun to be around and they like are trying to antagonize you in a way that's like, and look, I know glass houses, nobody, no one in this podcast gets to talk about antagonizing opponents, fan bases, but I generally try to keep that to like, you know, online and through the podcast, like in person, I tend to be a pretty cordial human being to opponents, fan bases, uh, after I turned like 22. Okay. So if you knew me in college, that, that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not counting that, but in person, they just, you know, there was just a lot of sort of like chatter from the stands and like hand waving and sort of like just general tomfoolery as we walked onto the field with the band and, and, and that just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Right. I mean, I know that Georgia has fans like that too whatever and it sucks like i never want any band to get booed and i don't want georgia tech's band to get booed when they come to uga but like you know when you go out there and you see your kids have a good show and then a bunch of people are booing them and you're walking off the field and the dudes in the touchdown are in the end zone and like whatever their hive is called or whatever are sort of being borderline harassy to the mm-hmm. band kids it's just kind of it's like man what do you have to prove here like all of the like that's what i really want to know like all of the like i'll be your boss one day or like i'll make a job for you or whatever like what what's what's behind all of this because like i how do you have energy who, who how do you, have you? <laughs> yeah like like seriously like and i know there are a lot of a lot of a lot of mean pretty much horrible uga fans and that's hmm. fine um and i'm not saying that like you know the cycle that's violence begets violence and that human beings are sort of wrapped in this ouroboros of you know bad feelings that they can never escape from and i understand that but that just the personal nature of the attacks like i've been trolled on twitter pretty hard and i've been flamed on twitter hard but i've never been like physically because you know even florida fans will usually just be like boo you suck or they'll just be or they'll just be like fuck you which is like you know actually fine (laughs) it's fine it's succinct it takes like a half a second to process. I've been I've I've been told it a lot. It, it just water off of the back. Nobody's hurt. We exchange FUs. It's like a handshake. It's fine. Right? But when someone gets like real weird and personal, like first off, Georgia Tech doesn't have a school of education as we previously established and mm-hmm. definitely doesn't offer administrative degrees. So no, you will not be my boss ever, Mr. you know, structural engineer. As important as your job is, you you're definitely not going to be my boss. And second, like Georgia Tech's a great school. It's a fine academic institution. First off, it's not a university. Lol. And second, like, let's <laughs> not go throwing around stones. Like, Georgia Tech had a leadership degree until, like, five years ago. They had a general studies degree until the NCAA made it illegal. And also, just before you get on your high horse about, like, you know, admitting athletes and academic standards, literally the only difference between the admission requirements for UGA and the admission requirements for Georgia Tech is that at Georgia Tech, they have to be able to pass calculus in some capacity. And I'm going to use the words in some capacity and make them do a lot of, they're going to carry a lot of weight in that sentence. (laughs) 
You good? <laughs> I wanted to let make sure you, you had your space. No, it was good. I mean, the Georgia Tech game when it's away is always kind of fun because like I get to go back to Carrollton afterwards and uh-huh. got to hang out with them and it, it was it's cool. Like uh, Georgia Tech Stadium is like in a cool place and you kind of walk out and you're like, whoa, we're in Atlanta. And usually, you know, mm-hmm. you walk out of an opponent's stadium and you're like, Columbia, South Carolina, what the hell? But uh, yeah, there's it's, nothing it's really kind there. Of, yeah, it's kind of cool to be like, oh look, there's varsity or whatever. Uh, and yeah. we got we got the police escort out of um atlanta which is always fun going into and out of atlanta in a bus with like you know five cop cars around it it makes you feel very important that's pretty cool you're not that important but it makes you feel that way you know (laughs) um the illusion is there yeah the illusion is the important part Uh uh-huh anyway that's Um, all i got i like it hey uh last week we talked about a a game uh or maybe it wasn't last week it was a few weeks ago someone talking about um what's your favorite board game to play or, or a really good board game that you want yeah. to play or something along yeah. those lines. And we discussed boy problems. Did you play um, boy problems? I played boy problems. It's great. Isn't oh, it? Oh man. Was it good? It was did so much he run fun. It on, did he run it on the lasers, swords and lasers, or did he run it on apocalypse? It was on did, lasers and feelings. Lasers yeah. and feelings. So we, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We did that. And so those of you that, that might not have remembered, this is the Carly Rae Jepsen, um, heist game and so it's years in the future Carly Rae Jepsen has a whole vault of songs that she never released and you're trying to heist them um, I use that as a verb in this this tense uh, in this context I mean and so we had to create characters and we we had roles and everything and I played a character that was the the inside man uh, for this corporation in New York Canada uh, you know, New York seceded at some point in the history to Canada because their philosophies aligned a bit more. Um, and turns out that Mike Bloomberg continued to run Canada or New York, Canada for years and years and generations to come. And now this is Bloomberg eight was the new antagonist of this story. But I played that's an amazing. inside man named um, Maladroit Akimbo. Uh, um, that's a great name. <laughs> that's my favorite part of any RPG game is the naming of them. But he goes by Mal. Uh, and it was it was a great time. It was a really really great time, and I suggest anybody should go out and play it. But I played that for the the twenty four hour gameathon at the Rook and Pawn, on the the Friday following the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. So it was an awesome awesome time. Um, other than that, it was a pretty slow weekend. I watched a bunch of football. You know, I finally got to see Chase Young do his Chase Young thing. Yeah, and that dude is special. He is yeah. outstanding. He's pretty good. Um, he didn't do, yeah. He he's really really good. He didn't do a whole lot necessarily as far as like st- statistical production goes this weekend. But the fact that he can he takes three opposing players out of every play he's a part of essentially, like they have to triple cover him to make sure he doesn't do anything. And I think that is just astounding to me. Like it's it's absolutely amazing. The LSU game was boring. The LSU Texas A and M game was boring. Um, but other than that, just a fun game of football. Yeah, I I. I... It was fun to see some downfield completions. If we're going to talk about the actual football of, of the Georgia mm-hmm. State game for a second, it was good to see some downfield completions. I thought Jake Fromm still throws some, I don't know, hospital balls sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and hospital balls, but also just balls where it's like, I, I don't know if he's locking in. I don't know if the execution is bad. I'm starting to lean towards. I just don't know that this has been as clean and executed a offense as it has been in the past and i also think that jake Fromm's mechanics are getting a little bit sloppy and mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say like who does execution come down to is it the players is it the coaches i do think that you know um coley 
probably has not done as good a job as the quarterback coach as Cheney did. And Cheney was always sort of known as a quarterback whisperer. So in that sense, I, I, I don't really know how that affects us going into this game. I, I sort of feel like I feel a little bit better uh, about Coley as a play caller, but I don't know how I feel about the fact that this offense can't seem to get its foot out of its ass. So mm-hmm. in the one hand, I think that's good because it made me think, you know, I mean, you're playing sort of a scrub team, but if you can execute, execute your way to 52 points against even a bad team, you should be able to score some points, right? Like uh, there are, there are, all sorts of offenses who didn't score 52 points on Georgia Tech. So it it's just really interesting to me that it's like, on the one hand, I have hope about this offense because I think that the ceiling, and if everything clicks, and if you have the best special teams and the best defense in the nation, which at this point we do, um, it just feels like that you could just have a run, right? You could have one of those, like, you know, in baseball, there's this thing about, like, if you go to the wild card game and you go to the play-in game, and then you're you're facing like the number one seed as the wild card team. Sometimes like getting hot in that play in game and having to actually really work for it at the end of the season can just like let people like let teams get on fire. And like St. Louis Cardinals have won like four four fucking uh, World Series doing this, where they just get hot and they go into the play in game or the wild card game, and then they just like beat the hell out of everybody. And I'm not saying that that's definitely going to happen, but I do. After watching this offense and thinking about like just the potential if everything comes together and just thinking about like, well, Steve Sarkeesian won a national championship at Alabama, I'm pretty sure. Like, like there have been worse offensive coaches who have won championships than James mm-hmm. Coley. I don't think that it's like disqualifying. I just think with this amount of talent, with a coach that I felt had more confidence in, I would say, look, it's more likely than not with the amount of talent we have and the way we're deploying it, that we just we eventually just hit a good game. And, you know, if you time it right and you get better at the right time and you push through the end of the season and you, you get through the schedule at 11 and one, no matter who your who, no matter who your losses to that, anybody can get hot. And this is a team that if we get hot, we are the best team in the nation. I mean, through the year, Ohio State has by far been the best team in the nation. But I'm just telling you, yeah, yeah if UGA plays over the next three games like a top five offense, we'll win. We'll win the national title like mm-hmm. that. That and it, and, it, and it may not be close. Like I, I'm, I genuinely that is how good this this defense is. So, on the one hand, I have a lot of hope because it's like, well, it's all right there, right? You gotta, you just gotta execute, and you have to break some of the tendencies you've had this year. On the other hand, it's like, well, tendencies are they tendencies are tendencies for a reason, right? We've had a tendency mm-hmm. to flub to flub offensive plays, to just not block very well, frankly, to just look kind of bad at times execution wise on the offense. So. You know, I think a lot of that comes down to individual players. I think a lot of it comes down to the coaching staff. But at the end of the day, it's like the whole point of the kind of like low margin man ball that we play is to lower, used to raise the ceiling or raise the floor, even at the expense of the ceiling. But I kind of feel like that's the opposite of where we are right now. I think that our floor is like we just get our asses kicked by LSU, which I think is very feasible. And I think our ceiling is like something starts to click. Jake Fromm has a couple has a good game, and we just fucking house our way to the national title. Like I, ju- I think that's on the table. Um, you know, it's gonna be hard because I think Ohio State's a really good team, but I think this defense is real. This defense is number one in S and P plus, and they're number one in like success rank. I think at this point. I mean, I can pull up the mm-hmm. I can pull up the stuff going into this in a second, but like this is objectively the best defense in the, in the nation. I think. Um, 
And all it takes, I think, is a few good plays, a few good games, a little bit of continuity for this to kind of all jump off. But on the other hand, I think it's also pretty likely that we just like come home disappointed on Saturday. And that's kind of yeah. where that's where the Georgia Tech game left me. It was being like, man, we got a real shot here. So that's good. But who knows? <laughs> you know? Yeah, who knows? It's a it's almost a coin flip uh, per SP plus. So it's not that it's like a t- two and a half point game right now, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's just as likely that we come home disappointed as we come home absolutely ecstatic and we all run downtown and ring the bell and, and yada, yada, yada. So I think regardless, you ring the damn bell. But hey, so it sounds like we're headed into the LSU game. You yeah, let's talk about the LSU it, game. Go, head that direction. Yeah, so, let's do it. All right. So subjective narrators talking points. So Eddie O, head coach Eddie O, I honestly love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I am tickled by him. I think he's great. I don't know anything about him personally, but his entire persona I am infatuated with. So I watched his press conference coming uh, off this weekend and talking about the upcoming game and everything. And he is, I've, I've never seen a coach like this uh, be so confident and it be genuine and not come off as like just kind of asshole-ish. You know what I'm saying? Like, Let's look at it like this. Like we had Dabo Swinney over the weekend and we had Coach Eddie O talking about their upcoming games and night and day between the two of them. They're both talking about how confident they are in their team and how, you know, they deserve all the praise and everything, but come off totally different. And and no, you don't hear everybody kind of, you know, downplaying everything that uh, Coach O said uh, after the weekend, but you hear so many people talking poorly about what um, Dabo said after the weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's because Dabo kind of, in in an attempt to like fake juice his way to another national title, because I think he might also have the most talented team, Dabo ended up sounding kind of like a shitbird, right? Like, yeah, but very yeah, much so. Yeah, it it is a pretty stark contrast between the two of them. And you're right. I mean, I I you're not going to hear me say a lot of bad things about LSU in this episode. Like, I can't. I don't. I am not um an ata president like i don't have it in me to hate this team like one of my closest friends from the sousaphone section was this guy named josh spilliards who was an lsu transfer came back to uga played in the sousaphone section with me i love that guy and like if only just because of him if that was my only interaction with lsu i would just love them uh and i just i like their culture i love new orleans i like Baton rouge quite a bit their band is really really freaking good the 2012 was it 2012? 2013 SEC title game against LSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the the it's one of the loudest sounds I've ever heard in my life live was LSU's band playing in that game. Uh, they they have they only they only they have like a 350 person band and they march they march like 30 woodwinds. It's it's freaking sweet, man. Um, so it's, <clears> it's yeah, it's a Louisiana yeah. band. <laughs> Truly, well, it's it's drum corps as hell is what it is. I mean, that's yeah. not that's not their style, but instrumentation wise. I like their band. Um, I hear I don't I haven't met him yet, but I hear their band director is awesome. It's a guy named Calvin, um, or Kelvin rather. Calvin. Kelvin. Kelvin. Um, he's great, and apparently, and I don't know, like every person I've met who's an LSU fan for the most part has been really awesome. Every time I've been to LSU, it's been awesome. So like, statistically, or statistically, I have a lot to say, but narratively, like it's like, man, this is just a cool. There's a bunch of cool people. It's a cool campus. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. sure like LSU taught the rest of the world what corruption means when they like built a bunch of dorms in order to, inside of their stadium in order to expand their stadium. And like, you know, the Kingfisher, uh, like the notoriously corrupt politician, uh, what's his name? Huey Long, Huey Long, like very famously was like a huge LSU guy. And like, 
I, and I don't mean corruption in like NCAA, like they cheating for recruits or whatever. I mean corruption like 1930s, like populist politician kind of corruption, um, which I think is dope. I'm super into <laughs> that. I'm super into that brand of shit. Um, I, I just really, I don't have a lot. I mean, I do. I, I am, man. I, I just, I don't have a lot bad to say about him. I mean, maybe I guess it would be better yeah. if I did, but like, I mean, I think Orgeron, I think Orgeron, everything you hear on him is that like, you know, He's super fired up. He's a really good defensive coach, but he's also like everyone just like he you can tell when you see him play like that dude is just absolutely like everyone loves him because yeah. he is just like he is loved and he can get anyone who plays for him to just run through a goddamn wall. And he has really yep. good. He has two really good coordinators, right? Well, Joe Brady's not a coordinator. He's a passing game coordinator, but still like a really, really good staff. His staff might actually get better. UTSA fired their coach Frank Wilson who is like notoriously like one of the better recruiters of Louisiana in the world and if he ends up back at LSU then recruiting staff wise LSU is going to get even better and I heard that on PAPN uh yes or today I guess um so yeah I mean any what are you thinking about like narratively coming into this game the biggest narrative that's being shaken or thrown about is just how bad Georgia's going to get beat and that's that's basically what everybody's saying like georgia has no offense georgia can't stand up against this like defense only goes so far and i just find it so funny that this is like we're only like five or six years removed from like the auburn and alabama game when they were what in the top four and they what was the game the ending score of that game was like six to nine it yeah. was like they defense each other to death like we're not that far removed from defensing people to death and that's still a thing right. that georgia's good at is going to have to do to win this game right. and it's not that far-fetched to think that Georgia might win this. Like they're mm-hmm. not that big of an underdog that anyone's going to go, "Oh, where did this team come from?" if they do win. But if you were only reading what uh news articles and Twitter and social media was saying, you would think that was the case. Right. Well, so I mean that's I, the biggest narrative coming out. I of think, this. you know, the LSU started as a favorite at I think three and a half when it first came out and it got bet up to six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not six and a half or seven. Yeah, a lot of the money is on LSU right now. I think UGA sort of like narrative wise in terms of motivation wise UGA comes into this in good place you're avenging a loss from last year you're going to the goddamn SEC championship you should be motivated and then on top of that yeah Yeah. and on top of that nobody's like talking crap about you or uh, nobody is not talking crap about you at this point um I feel pretty good about that um but I don't know man I man these some of these stats are weird, dude. How so? I mean, we're not ready for stats, but I'm just like, I have the stats pulled up because we're about to talk about them. And like, mm-hmm. they're influencing my take in a way that is. It's weird. Like, I've been waiting for this episode because I just started looking at the stats a little bit deeper in like the last couple of days. And it is, it's, I feel funny. I feel very conflicted. We're not going to, no, tummy. no, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to get there yet. Uh, before we get there, though, let's talk about a little bit of Winsipedia. Like, just yeah, a, hit me. It, so this, these teams have played each other. They played each other 21 times at this point. Um, excuse me, 31 times at this point. Um, the last win coming from LSU last year, the only regular season uh, lost for Georgia, where Georgia just didn't look like themselves. They traveled to Baton Rouge. They lost 36-16. It was a very strange game. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had an awesome day. Joe Burrow was still not Joe Burrow today. Like, I don't know what like he's Joe Burrow is like the you know like the the trope of the girl that went home for the summer and came back with boobs like 
who is this person that that came out of nowhere and decided he was going to be the Heisman front runner this year? Like, the, I have no words for for Joe Burrow. Like looking down his stat line when we do get his stats, it's it's just so wild, and the team looks so different than they did last year, even. But as far as like all time stats goes, these teams are pretty evenly matched as far as like all time record. They're both at point six five five. Georgia has eight hundred thirty wins to LSU's eight oh nine. Um, and they're only nine w- losses, uh, separate from each other all time. So, um, good for 13th to 14th in the nation. But other than that, I mean, everything else is, is pretty evenly matched. They, they come away with just as many, um, better stats as the other does. It's just a matter of who comes out of it this year. I mean, LSU could lengthen their win strength to two or Georgia could come back and we could start trading blows year to year. I don't know. Well, I, I think this is going to be an interesting matchup to watch going forward too, because, as i don't know i mean i just think as the sort of i'm not i'm not predicting the death of the L, of the alabama dynasty but i think these are the two teams that are most well positioned to unseat or supplant alabama and so mm-hmm. i don't you know i it, for a while it was alabama georgia and that was sort of the big narrative matchup but now i'm starting to think like you know i mean LSU Georgia might be a thing over these next few years oh, yeah. in the same way that Alabama very Georgia well was, be. has been in the past couple of years. I definitely think LSU is going to be able to start poaching a lot of Alabama's recruits at this point too. Like, you know, for a long time the SEC West was just total vacuum towards Alabama, but now it's, I mean, anything could happen. Yeah, I, I agree. You want to talk about some stat stats? Yep, yep, yep. You Man. Me, um go for it. You ready? Oh yeah. <laughs> i'm having a hard Am time I ready should i be I, ready <laughs> i mean no you shouldn't be we're 30 minutes in i don't usually like i get the stats together and i think about them and i look at them and by the time we start recording i kind of got a feel for it and i'll kind of like talk myself one way or the other where i think like well you know here's what the stats tell us and my guiding principle is we just we go with the stats you know and that's just what it is but Oh man, it is just so hard. It is so hard with these stats. Okay, so let's start with the non-marquee matchup here because, like, I obviously the matchup that really matters in this game well, not really matters, but the matchup everyone's going to talk about is when LSU has the ball, right? And mm-hmm. L, you know, LSU's vaunted offense, one of the better offenses in the nation, if not the best, versus Georgia's vaunted defense. The same could be said of Georgia's defense that you could say about George, uh, LSU's offense. But let's look at when Georgia has the ball. Cause I think that's really what's going to decide the game. I think that, um, we can look at some individual areas wherein one team has the advantage over the other, but in general, I think that Georgia is going to get theirs and LSU is going to get theirs when LSU has the ball. I think Georgia is going to get some stops and have some big plays. I think LSU is going to score some points. So the question really is what can Georgia do against LSU's offense or LSU's yeah. defense? So if we look at it, these two teams, even on the top line stats are actually pretty evenly matched. So, uh, Georgia is currently the 18th ranked offense and success rate, 18th in pass success rank, 23rd in rushing success rank. LSU is the 15th ranked uh, defense in success rate overall, 18th in pass success rate, 19th in rush success rate. So that's like a literal virtual tie. All of those ranks are within like five of each other, right? The numbers are very close, right? Then we see like yards per play. Georgia is 32nd. LSU is 28th. There's about a, a yard and a half difference in between them. 
uh, yards per yards per attempt, uh, including sack yardage. UGA has is 36th. LSU is 30th. Uh, yards or third down conversion. LSU is 14th. UGA is 36th. If anything, I think third down conversions, and in fact, and in, in particular third downs, are going to be like a big deal for UGA's offense because I think that you know LSU ha- has a defense that has some problems against the run, but they've been pretty good against the pass this year. LSU is 41st in yards per carry. UGA is 36th. So you know they're a better passing defense than they are um, rushing defense. Generally speaking, um, when you look at this roster on third down, I mean. They've got some very good players. Uh, Jacob Phillips, I think, is like their their linebacker. He's been around for a little bit. He has an incredibly LSU name. They've actually got a pretty high profile uh, cornerback and like defensive back core, despite the fact that they've actually been, I don't know, above average but not great on in defending the pass this year. Uh, Jacoby Stevens is uh, is coming back. Um, I'm pretty sure Grant, yeah, Grant Delpit's still on this team, right? So like you've got some good, you've got some actually pretty impressive guys here when it comes to defending the past Jacoby Stevens actually leads their uh he leads the team in sacks with five the Dave Aranda will bring pressure from the backfield and Jacoby Stevens is like not a he's not J.R. Reed he's 6'1 228 pounds right he's he's like a big boy he's playing safety but Mm -hmm. like he'll come after you defensively I think if UGA is forced into a lot of third downs which we have been uh this year in particular we have been uh, I think that is not great for us because that allows them to bring a lot of pressure and they have pretty good cornerbacks. And when we're forced to pass, when they're forced to pass, that's, you know, you, that has not been a good recipe for UGA this year. Now, now I do think one of the advantages that UGA has is that uh, in terms of preventing explosive plays and creating them, UGA has sort of a slight advantage here, especially in the rushing, uh, in rushing. UGA is the 22nd most explosive, pl- um, explosive team via rushing this year. Um, and, you know, LSU is 36, so it's only a little bit down. But I just think that's one of the few things that either of these teams, uh, when Georgia has the ball, do in, like, the top 20s. You know what I mean? And and I think mm-hmm. Georgia has a chance to spring some longer runs against this team, and that's kind of what it's going to come down to. Is DeAndre Swift healthy? Does he look like the kind of guy – or, you know, does he look like the first-round draft pick, or is he banged up, right? Is this a carry-on Johnson yeah. thing from 2017, or is this like a, you know, John Dre just was bruised up, and he just gets a shot before, and he goes? Um, well, with that in mind, too, do you think that um, – so to win, we do sit down to watch this game on Saturday. Are, are we going to see – what we've been seeing from games in the past where we don't start actually getting uh, any rushing touchdowns until the second half, or is it something we're going to come out swinging? Do you think with that in mind? I mean, yeah, no, I think if we don't have a success in the run game in the first half, we might be sunk man, because that's, I think that's the key. If you can run the ball on this team, which other teams have been able to now, albeit teams who have had success running the ball has, is generally been quarterback led and that's not going to be this team. But if you could run the ball on this team and you can execute in the run game when Georgia has the ball Try to keep Joe Burrow off the field. Try to limit the number of steps your your defense has to take, and just generally stay ahead of the chain. So, like on a per down basis, right? Uh, LSU is twenty fifth on first down success rate. They're tenth on second down success rate, and fourteenth on third down success rate. You want to get to these guys on first down, right? If you can get to a lot of second and fours, even a lot of second and fives, right? If we can average five yards a carry on first down, like we got a chance to stay in this game. Cause what that means is that we're going to hold on to the ball. A lot of the time, I think three and outs are really going to be 
one of the deciding stats of this game. Because if you can force LSU's offense to go three and out, you've taken, like, the thing that LSU does best, right, is just score points in bunches, right? And the way the way you get up on a team like that, if you're a team like Georgia and you don't score points in bunches, is you force three and outs and you steal possessions, right? And the only way you steal possession is by forcing a three and out, taking the punt down, and scoring. It's not the only way. I mean, you could onside kick or do stuff at the end of the half but yeah you know yeah. In, a, in a general game state like i think it just really matters can we convert stops into points right and and one of the ways that you do that and i think we are going to get some stops against this team despite how freaking good this offense is and and god trust me i know they are but i i just think that those stops have to then turn into points because you can't get into a track meet with this team because you'll just lose right Mm -hmm. so the only way you avoid getting into a track meet is you just bank points right like it's if if uga gets up in this game lsu is almost certainly going to come back because that's just the kind of offense they have right so to win the game what you've got to do is you got to turn those stops those moments when you have like a fresh a flash of brilliance from your defense which you should have quite a few of them because this is arguably the best defense in the nation you got to turn those into points And, and i think the way uga does that is success in the run game Right, if UGA can run on this team the way UGA wants to, and we can avoid the way we looked in the first half uh, against Georgia Tech and the way we've looked for kind of the six games before that in the first half, then I think we got a pretty good shot. I think you know this is a two and a half point game for S and P plus, and that feels mm-hmm. right to me. Right, if UGA shows up and runs inside draw three times on you know first, second, and third down, and then doesn't execute it, and that's the key. It's not even the inside draw. The key is the execution. Right. If we run a bunch of inside draws and we're averaging four yards a carry, it doesn't fucking matter how much I hate it. Mm-hmm. Right. If we run a bunch of like inside zone read option and of course Jake Fromm hands the ball off every time, but we're scoring points, it doesn't matter. Right. The execution has to be clean. And I think that really starts in the run game. Solomon Kinley at times in the Georgia Tech game did not look good. He blew blocks. He just wasn't getting across the formation when he was supposed to be pulling. He did not look great. And I don't know where that's coming from. He's been a very reliable offensive lineman throughout his career. But if that, if your guard, especially your pulling guard, doesn't look good in the inside zone, if either one of your, if either one of your guards looks bad in the inside zone, you're kind of suck, sunk, right? So, yeah. To me, offensively, UGA has to have success inside running the ball, and we have to execute cleanly. And success does not necessarily mean success by success rate. I mean, like, are we getting four yards on first down, or are we getting two? Because those those are very different, very very different game states. UGA on second and six, pretty dangerous offense. UGA on second and eight, not that dangerous, right? Yeah. Now, if you want to talk about like statistically, when LSU has the ball, you know, the, I mean, this is just like <laughs> the best defense and the best offense in the nation. I mean, I guess uh, Oklahoma probably has a claim to the best offense in the nation, and Ohio State probably has a claim to the best defense, but. If it's not the best, it's two versus two or two versus one or one, whatever. Yeah. Right. These are two superlative units. They're great at every. See, like Georgia's hallmark is that they're not like they're number one in a lot of niche categories, but they're great at everything. There's nothing that Mm. they're bad at. Right. UGA's (laughs) the weird thing is that like UGA gets UGA gets better as the downs go on. Right. Like uh, 35th in first down success rate, seventh in second down success rate, sixth and third down success rate conversely lsu gets worse 
first and first down success rate, third and second down success rate, eighth and third down success rate. And, you know, eighth is not bad. It's not actually worse. And so it's just so hard to look at this from either a raw statistical or ranking perspective and really glean any knowledge out of this, right? Uh, passing explosiveness rate for UGA, 14th in the nation. Passing L- passing explosiveness rate for LSU, 11th in the nation. Explosive play rate overall, second for Georgia, eighth for LSU, right? Scoring opportunity drives, first for Georgia, 10th for LSU. Now, one of the few, like, I think, clear advantages that Georgia has here is in limiting the explosive rush play. I don't expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to have a big day on the ground i think he could have a pretty big day in the in the receiving game but uga is first in the in rushing explosive rate defense and lsu is only 27th in uh explosive runs created offensively so and you know obviously that's still good but by lsu standards it's not <laughs> it's actually not yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah um and the more general sense i mean lsu's number is their second in yards per play their fifth in yards per attempt their 19th in yards per carry and their eighth in third down conversions uga third in yards per play fourth in yards per attempt second in yards per carry sixth in third down conversions like it's just wild yeah like i <laughs> i don't even know what to do about that man <laughs> like i i have no UGA number five in in, in surrounding red zone t- TDs, LSU tenth in surrounding red zone TDs. You know one advantage that UGA also has, and this is also in the rushing game, is in stuff rate. UGA is the thirty uh, second defense in the nation in creating stuff rate. LSU is the fifty eighth nation. They're actually below average in allowing runs to be stuffed. One advantage that UGA has, uh, or the LSU has, on the other hand, is havoc rate. Uh, <laughs> UGA is not creating a lot of it, and LSU is not allowing a lot of it. 65th for UGA and 18th for LSU. It's just this, it's so balanced. It's so even. There's just not a, I mean, LSU, they stay on, they stay on time. They don't get into a lot of third downs. The third downs that they do get into, they convert at an astonishing clip. Over 50% of their third downs, they convert over an entire season. That's very impressive, right? Yeah. Georgia, impressive. Georgia kind of has the same identity. They just don't do anything badly. That, you throw all of this up in the air, and what does it tell you? Well, Joe Burrow's going to have a big day. This team has disgusting depth, absolutely disgusting depth at wide receiver. Conversely, UGA has absolutely disgusting depth at cornerback. You know, but I think LSU does have some advantage here because they have Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, Thaddeus Moss, uh, just those four dudes, three wide receivers and a tight end. Those dudes are like they're all going to easily be first round they're they're all going to be first day draft picks probably and behind between them those four dudes have like over 3500 yards receiving on the year right jamar chase's average reception is 28.20.8 yards he has seven he has 17 tds 17 justin jefferson 17 justin jefferson has 13 tds right so i guess what i'm saying is i really think that this game the most important part about this game is not LSU's offense or your Georgia's defense, even though if you like good football, watch the watch when that's happening, because that's going to be good football, right? What's important is what can Georgia's offense do? And <laughs> sort of my, my, my reticence about this game is that all those offensive numbers from Georgia include when Georgia was playing well at the beginning of the year. And like, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know that this is, the kind of team i i just don't know if 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 the sec championship comes down to georgia's offense 
just forget the statistics. Just what you think about Georgia's offense right now. How much do you how, how much do you trust them to win the game? Because I kind of think they're going to need to win the game. They're going to need to win the game. Yeah. Right. Because, it's going to come down to offense. Yeah. yeah because it has to. Because Georgia is going to give up some points, right? Georgia's probably going to, we're going to give up, I don't know, 30s probably because that's what LSU yeah, has done. They, LSU only scored 23 against uh, Auburn. I think Georgia will probably give up a few more points than that just because LSU was rounded into form in some ways. Right. But so if this is a game where Georgia has to get to 35 offensive points, can they do it? That to me, that's that's the that's the existential question of this game. But if you've been paying attention, and I'm not patting myself on the back or anything, I'm not saying that I presciently predicted that this would be a problem at the end of the year, like before the South Carolina game. But what I am saying is that like we've said this before, because that's the existential question for this Georgia offense, period. And it's the question after the SEC championship, it's the question after the bowl game, it's the question for the entire offseason. If you have to score 35 points, can you? Because at the end of the day, you are going to have to if you want to win the national championship. Yeah. Right? And so this Especially is Especially against the three teams and, that are and, definitely going. Yeah. And, and look, man, if we if we go out there, it's happened before. Sometimes the betters get it wrong. Sometimes, you know, a, a good defense does not look as impressive as a good offense. And sometimes you just don't see the matchup coming. And then, you know, the good offensive team will just get kitchen synced. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, I will be the first one out here eating crow. And look, that crow is going to taste real yummy because I'll probably still be pretty drunk from celebrating it. Right? <laughs> it's fine. Like I don't mind. Yeah. I I just like if you wonder why advanced stats people have been bitching about Georgia's offense so much, it's not just because Georgia's offense doesn't look good aesthetically. It's because it's not built to have the kind of numbers that you need to have to win a game like this. And at, and at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to me. I think that there's a chance that we win this game if DeAndre Swift and Jake Fromm just decide we are winning this game. Yeah. But that's not that's some, that that you can't rely on that, right? Like that's no, not a statistical, no. that's not a, that's not repeatable, right? It's very possible that like DeAndre Swift just goes unconscious, like, you know like it like the like the ancient oracles at delphi just trips ass loses his fucking <laughs> mind his eyes go white and he just turns into like mohawk storm for like three games and scores three touchdowns a game for the next three games i mean like that's not even like you know x-men mutation like improbable that's like that could absolutely happen but if you have to rely on that like sure it's a great story but like as a prognosticator like where does that leave me i'm just trying to really soften the soften the blow because i'm probably going to pick lsu to win this game i'm just going to tell you like oofa i just i oofa doof and like i'm trying to lead you into this in a way that is 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 gentle right but mm -hmm. like what am i supposed to do with these numbers if the numbers tough. if the numbers yeah. tell me lsu on offense is very very good georgia on defense is very very good well, when that happens, usually the offense scores more points than Georgia's been allowing. Georgia has yet to allow 20 points in a game this year. Uh, their defense has yet to allow 20 points in a game. I think is that's what it is. It's no, 10.4 points. Yeah. Uh, average. average. Right. Yeah. What I'm saying is this is a team that has been limiting people. And if you assume that this is the best offense they played, which it is because I think it's the best offense in the nation – then you would say, you know, this is probably a team, a game where LSU can score 28 points, maybe 30 points. Mm -hmm. 
So then you're left with, okay, think about everything you know about this defense objectively, subjectively, anecdotally, what you've seen in their execution, what you've seen in their play calling. Do you think this team can score 30 points against a good defense? Right? Because, okay, so for some comparison, these numbers are from last week, but we can start with this. This is fine. Okay. So as of last week, and this has probably gotten better, but LSU had the 29th ranked defense. Okay. So like just for points of comparison, okay. Florida has the seventh ranked defense. Auburn has the fourth ranked defense at this point in the year. Uh, Let's see. Tennessee got to go way down for them. 24th ranked defense. Whoa. Tennessee has better defense. Than okay. 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 <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. All right, all right. I see. Right, but then you have like uh, Kentucky, thirty sixth. That's a team we only managed twenty one points again, albeit in the rain. You've got South Carolina, and man, we're gonna have to scroll down for this one because South Carolina sucks. Kill me. Uh, Vanderbilt this year is one hundred and sixth. That's an embarrassing stat. Now, on the year defensively is was um, South Carolina is twenty fifth. So I mean. Yeah, this is a weirdly like average defense for what uh, we faced this year, 29th. It's actually one of the worst defenses we faced this year outside of like Vanderbilt and the, you know, Arkansas State or whatever. But the question is like, so I guess the closest comparison is can we score 20, can we score 35 points on Kentucky's defense? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, man, now I'm kind of talking myself into it. <laughs> I mean, these numbers are going to be different this year because what's his face? For sure. Different this week because uh, uh, LSU just freaking lead piped Texas A&M. Um, so obviously that's not going to be the same. But man, now I'm kind of talking myself back into this. Damn it. See, this is the problem. So, when the stats are closed, it's just like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say before we go too far, before we start getting to like over-unders and predictions and things, let's. Let's talk about we we talked about how close the stats are and how they go either way essentially. So I think that you know when the the stats are canceling each other out, we look at um, other things like the coaching staff and the play style and that sort of thing. And I think this is an interesting matchup because LSU does something a little bit different that we haven't seen in any other team we've played. Um, in the fact that they they instead of running to establish the pass game like what georgia does and what most sec teams have done in the uh, the era of man ball and uh, the dynasty that is nick saban um, they pass in order to establish the run game and so how is that going to affect us because our our thing is that we let people typically get theirs on first down and sometimes even second down and that is reflected in the the first down success rates where we were 35th and it gets better progressively we let people get theirs and then we kind of slowly choke them and you know squeeze the the life out of them as they get to third and out and so how is that going to look differently for this game Um, and i think that might be part of the key to understanding where this might go because if we are stopping the run game can we still stop uh joe burrow with all the weapons he has at his disposal is that something we can we can do still um because they don't necessarily need the run game you know what i mean yeah yeah, I don't. You, that is a good point because the problem is if you try to slowly crush the life out of LSU, it won't matter because they'll just score thirty points. They'll just keep going because that's what Alabama tried to do. They tried to choke the life out of them, and then Alabama thought, "Oh crap, we just got to keep scoring," and they just kept racing and racing and racing. And LSU won that race. Statistically speaking, by the end of it, Alabama I think still had like a ninety-seven point 
uh, or 97% uh, win expectancy by the end of that game, which I think is really hilarious. Uh, well, everything so, about Alabama's season this year has been pretty hilarious. It has been. We just took some time to look at some stats and stare blankly at a spreadsheet here. And what I think is interesting going into this and talking about, like, can we can we slowly choke the life out of LSU? Is that, like, the way you do that is not just that you play suffocating defenses, that you have a run game that actually can do something. And if you look at the teams, the Power 5 teams that, that Georgia has played this year, and you look at their S&P Plus defensive ranking on the year, like their overall defensive ranking, going from top to bottom, it goes Florida or Auburn 4th, uh, Florida 8th, Missouri 18th, uh, Kentucky or Tennessee 19th. Then it goes to Texas A&M 24th, Notre Dame 26th, Kentucky 31st, and then Vanderbilt 93rd. One that makes me realize how good a defensive schedule, how many good defenses we played, right? Which makes me feel a little bit better about the offense. Oh, you know who I forgot was a power five team? Hmm. Georgia Tech. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, And then Georgia Tech (laughs) is way down at the bottom of this damn thing. 71st. Okay. But still, uh, so what that means is that LSU coming into this game will be like actually sort of middle of the pack ish. They're they're twenty second. They're twenty they're twenty second coming in this game. So they're the one, two, three, four, fifth best defense statistically that UGA has played this year. Which is that makes me feel better. Yeah, like it <laughs> sort of does. But then also if you look at the teams that they're around them, right? Uh Texas A and M and Notre Dame, neither of those games did UGA had a particularly good offensive performance. Just saying. No. No. Sure didn't. But it was efficient enough to succeed, which is the, the name of our offense's memoir. <laughs> oh, God, efficient and sad. It's like, can you imagine having sex with the human that Georgia's offense would produce this year? <laughs> Be like, yeah, I'm just well, here to get the job done. Missionary sex, it works. The the big takeaways though from this is that, you know, what you're saying is there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, there, there is there's a, chance. a chance. This is gonna be a closer game, I think. wow i just really came full fucking circle on this like i i genuinely have no idea what's going to happen and i'm usually i don't either i'm usually pretty locked in on these not locked in but i usually feel at least feel pretty good about it even if it's hubris um so if that's the case then let's so we've come full circle we've we've talked all out let's talk about what do we need to see that would indicate that this is going well for georgia i think that the number one thing is we have to establish the run game early right yeah you gotta establish the run game early and then like you don't have to like just stone Texas a- or LSU coming out of the gate. You don't have to like just absolutely like hold them to three, three and outs. But if like you can get a stop or two in the first quarter, like if that makes me feel better. Like if you can get yeah. some, I, what I would say are like proof of concept stops. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, we can get in, we can make this team punt. Like then, yeah, I would say, I would say just early stops success in the run game but i would say in particular success in the inside run game i think would be you know like we can run like the dreaded inside read option uh inside zones read option if we can run that with some success in this game you start to feel a little better right i mean you know other than that i would just say like obviously no turnovers right and then Mm -hmm. you know how, how many havoc plays can you do in the first half can you get i don't even mean like pick sixes i mean just like can you find a sack in there can you find a tackle for a loss can you play because like one of the hallmarks of this defense is they're just good like they just get in your face and they tackle well and they tackle clean which you, you got to continue to do but i think to beat this offense you have to have 
an above average you have to have an above average day when it comes to havoc just because yeah i i don't know i wish i don't know that you can beat this team without some luck and havoc plays aren't necessarily luck but they certainly do a pretty good job of creating luck Another thing we really need to see is that I feel like we have to, which is a thing we don't hear very often, but I think we have to keep our defense on the field (laughs) more often than uh, this LSU team has done to other teams. I mean, they they can just score so quickly and so efficiently that we're really going to need to be able to limit explosive plays and keep our defense on the field. And like you said, force three and outs in this game. We have to we have to prove that LSU does bleed and they're (laughs) going to have to punt. Like we need to see it happen. Yeah, I think that's true. But I also worry that like proving lsu does bleed is going to be like xerxes like cutting oh yeah cutting the king of the persians in the, at the end of 300 which by the way 300 is fascist but it doesn't matter <laughs> um and a, a real qualitative thing that's not we can't quantify this one but i am kind of curious to see if this lsu team continues to play the way it has with its hair on fire um or some players go into this game knowing that they already have essentially a playoff spot uh, and which of these teams wants it more by the end of the game? Like, yeah, but do who they? comes in this game? But hold on, who finishes hold on. It, do they? It if they lose, I know. So this is the thing. Like, if they lose, I feel like they do still have a good chance to get it, like percentage wise. However, the college football playoff committee has been discussing and saying outwardly and often that they're trying to get away from the the chance of having another SEC matchup in the finals, and they're trying to be better about awarding. Uh, a bid to teams that win their championships and so yeah if we see utah win they might just jump lsu um, if we see lsu or uh, utah lose probably not if we see oklahoma win they could jump them but if we see like baylor win or oregon win i think the lsu still goes which uh those two are less likely to happen than uh oklahoma or utah winning so it's questionable for sure but which one of these teams wants it more by the end of it i guess is is going to be an interesting test for the eye, ye old eye test. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that's really going to be a problem because I think that I think LSU just wants this is something kind of special. This has been a special season, and I think that their LSU is sort of like gonna ride that, um, and I think they'll be well prepared. That would be yeah, that would be my prediction. So let's get into over-unders. Very first over-under of the show. I put together an over-under, and just Joe Burrow is, is so very impressive. Uh, his completion rating for the season right now is it's uh, hovering around 78%. He's completed 78% of his throws, and he's thrown for about 4,400 yards in the season. And that's just kind of unbelievable. Not shooting from the hip. He's just accurate, and he's able to dissect these offense, or defenses is very efficiently. So my over-under is Joe Burrow, is he going to have uh, 68% completion on this game? To give you a point of reference, I already gave you the season. It's but, six, uh, but it was, a lot of people are comparing. 60-something for um, Auburn? 76.2 for Auburn. And a lot of people are going to compare this game to that Auburn game. So how well do we do against LSU compared to Auburn. Oh, 68. Fuck me. Um, I'm going to say over. I'm trying to be like smart about this. I think it's over as well cuz before, you know, something I mentioned was that this is a team that passes in order to establish the run game and so they're going to pass first and and run later. And so hopefully we are 
limiting the explosive plays and he can get all his slants and all his unders all day that's fine and then we stuff the run in the red zone that would be outstanding and keep them to three points but we'll see what happens i think over is still a, a very big possibility what's yours uh first i i guess we were kind of in similar wavelengths i'm gonna say over under 30 lsu points i hate it um i think that if we have a chance to win this game it has to be under and so I'll I'll call the under for it. I'm going to say over. Over under Georgia, one and a half fumbles. So did we shake off last week's performance against Georgia Tech with, you know, DeAndre Swift having two uh, two fumbles of the day and Jake Fromm, I guess. Who was the third fumble? There was a third funny fumble, right? Uh, none of them were funny, but I don't know who you're... A fun, like a, a strange one. Or was it the onside kick thing? I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, DeAndre I guess Swift I had two fumbles. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say under because i do i think most of those were either good plays it's weird to say about uh georgia tech or a little fluky yeah i think i'm gonna go same thing i need to i need to believe i gotta clap my hands tinkerbell all right what's your next one uh let's go over under 50 percent completion percentage for jake Fromm. it's got to be over (laughs) oh boy it's got to be over yeah i'm gonna say over i think you'll have a decent day I think he's actually better than he's looked in the past few weeks. And if he just regresses to the mean against a defense that is good, but not great. Yeah. I think low to mid sixties is fine. Like that is, that is doable and passable for this game. And you have one more. Uh, I would say over under 1.5 Edwards Hilaire didn't spell it right, but whatever touchdowns. And this is rushing touchdowns. No, period just in general okay um i think that's the one player that we are going to limit um yeah i'm also gonna say under i think part of that will happen (laughs) oh no sorry i'm sorry did i cut you off i apologize oh no no i'm laughing because we're we're pretty pretty even on this game yeah i mean i i think that they're gonna hurt us but it's gonna probably be mostly in um it's going to be mostly in the whatchamacallit through, in, in the air. Through the air. Yeah. It's mostly just going to be yeah. like us being like, God, Jamar Chase. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> uh, and finally, we'll go through some quick predictions. Uh, this game, Vegas came out with three and a half was the the spread, which I thought was real silly. Um, so those of you that got a three and a half bet on this game and picked LSU on the over, uh, you're probably oh, going picking to make LSU money. LSU on the over. That's 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 that? that's a good that would have been a good bet on sunday if you could get that's it on a very those early good bet, lines honestly yeah yeah uh but it's raised to seven points it's now at a seven point hovering around 6.5 seven points um sp plus has us at a two and a half point game so you know we have that sweet boy with that sweet leg <laughs> that could probably score three points and win this game for us if it's really a three point i think game, if we, but... i think if we win this game that like if we win this game it's hard for me to imagine the rodrigo blankenship doesn't have a moment right uh, so give me a prediction. Paint a picture for me. Oh fuck! This is I'm roll. I've <laughs> rolled away from the mic. I don't even know what this. Okay. Here we go. I think this is a game in the 30s. I think it's going to be closer than anyone thinks. Not anyone. I think it's going to be closer than most of the pundits think. I think that to me, the initial three and a half line feels right. If you assume you get a good game out of both of these teams and you get a just 
average for their talent game out of UJ's offense, which is an assumption that I'm not sure is like for surefire. But if you just assume that for a second, I think that UJ is not going to get blown off the field here. UJ has the players on both sides of the ball to run with LSU. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think blowouts happen if you get a turnover or you get a defensive score from LSU, then yeah, that could be a blowout. Conversely, I think, you know, UGA's blowout would just be some kind of weird, we're just going to beat the shit out of everybody. And like secretly James Coley was, was, was like an air raid. He was an air raid coach the entire time or whatever. (laughs) I, so I think that this is going to be a game that UGA must score and I think that they will, in some ways, rise to the challenge. I could see this even be a game where UGA might go into halftime with a slight lead or, you know, be sitting there in the third quarter with a slight lead. I don't know. I think that UGA's defense is going to have a valiant effort. The reason I say I think it's going to be in the 30s is because, you know, one thing LSU did effectively is just totally, or Auburn did effectively against LSU is just eat the running game. And UJ has been pretty good at that this year. So I could see them doing that. I don't know if our defensive front is quite as explosive as Auburn's. I mean, it just objectively isn't. So I'm going to call this one like, mm, that's, oh, that's smarts. Um, like LSU, 31 UGA 27. I mean, and it's like, if I'm wrong, what is that a five point game? I think it's probably closer than that. It probably four point game probably hurts more than that. It's probably like LSU 31 UGA 28 or something. <laughs> He's uh, and just for the, I think in the, in the past we've called it your, your Disney score. Like what's your, you know, if, we sing and birds pop out of every orifice and the world is colorful and beautiful. How does it, what does a UGA win look like? I think a UGA win looks like uh, either Joe Burrow gets like a case of mono. Um, <laughs> I think if you, if UJ gets a defensive score or two and then just can run the ball, they can run their way through this game. And I don't think it would be like a 25 point win, but I could see UGA like Disney. This is, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if I were Disney dogging it or whatever, I would say it would be something more like UGA 35 LSU 28 or something like uh that's maybe even too big mm. UGA yeah I know I could see 28 something like that or or like maybe like you get a couple of those scores and your defense just plays really well so it's like UGA 35 LSU 21 and I think those 35 are just like Kirby figures out that we can run the ball against LSU and just doesn't stop and like, yeah, and you and UJ's offensive linemen are just like practice setting up and down the field. And if that happens, that's a kind of game that like if UGA can make that the kind of game that it is, they can win the game. My concern is that I don't know that they can. That's not really a Disney score. That would just be like if I were predict- if I were to predict UGA to win, that's what I would have them win by. You know, I think all of the scores I just gave are way too high. I actually think UJ's defense might be really good. They're not might be really good. Yeah. I think. Man, hold it on. Is really hold good. on. Hold on. I need to take like 10 points off of every score I just said. I'm literally going to do that. I'm going to make my official <laughs> okay, prediction 21-7. This is the process. Let's see how the sausage is made. 25. That's that's not a score that makes sense. LSU 21, UGA 17. Fuck that. That's smarts. Or if I if it's a win, I could see like UGA 27, LSU 17, something like that. If it was like a big win. So I see this. I see a little opposite from you actually. I mean, I see like if this is if this is an LSU win, I see it being like a nine or twelve point lead 
if Georgia comes out, because that's that's exactly what SP Plus is telling us. It's like if if both these teams play to their potential, this will be a game with a three point difference, truly. And so the only way it doesn't become a game with a three point difference is if one of these teams is doing something they don't consistently do, and the one team that doesn't do what it consistently is supposed to do is Georgia. And so if that is the case, LSU comes away with this game with twelve. Uh, or 14 points uh, more than Georgia in the end of this. And so an LSU win to me looks like probably like maybe 35-21. A Georgia win is a game that we make them kick. And they proved last week they can kick. They have a kicker that made two 50-plus field goals, which is outstanding. Uh, that's something that we can also do. And so I imagine that this is going to be a game that you know, LSU is going to come out there. You know, sure, they maybe they win the coin toss and they they score on their first drive pretty easily. And then we come out and we score on our first drive pretty easily. And then it goes back and forth till we get to the third quarter. Maybe we go into half at like 21-17. Um, the third and fourth quarter are just like, it hurts to watch. It's going to be like nail biting. It's going to be uh, a, a slow moving defensive standoff between these two teams because Georgia is a team that, that does make a lot of really great adjustments. And I think that when you consider all the stats of this game and the fact that it becomes a coin toss with just stats, you have to consider players talent ceilings and you have to consider the coaching personnel and how they will adjust to this game and how well does our team adjust to that adjustment. And so with that in mind, I, I do have to consider the fact that we're playing the Heisman front runner, and I don't think he's going to sleep. I don't think it's going to be a situation where last year we basically took away to his Heisman hopes because we shut him down. I don't think it's going to be like that. It's going to be something where we're going to have to fight, fight, fight from start to finish. And if we blink or if we fall asleep or if we make a mistake like we did last week or in any of the many games we've played this year, then this game will get away from us very quickly. And so... If it is an LSU win, I think it's 35-21. If it's a UGA win, I think it's a game where we end up seeing maybe like 30 to 24 or 27. Yeah, I just, I keep on predicting these 30, 40 point games for, U, uh, for UGA and they just haven't happened. they've been wrong. <laughs> yeah, I've just been wrong. And I, I mean, but that's the thing. Like, does Jake from for the fifth week in a row, does he not complete 50% of his passes? Do you think that's even possible at this point? Does he do that again? Or does he play that weird Jake Fromm thing where he plays safely and conservatively from start to finish and he throws like 15 of 20 passes? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Because that's all we need we, to we do. Haven't seen, yeah. We haven't seen that Jake Fromm in a while, so I don't know. We haven't. By the way, I did switch my score again. <laughs> okay, uh, give us your final score. Again. I said 28-24. I, I I don't even know. LSU. I've changed I've changed it like five times. I think LSU is probably going to win. If UGA won, it wouldn't shock me. But God only knows. I I've been saying I've been predicting a track meet this entire year, and we have never gotten one. And now I'm like, well, what could happen if we actually played good defense? Like at the end of the year, as though I hadn't noticed we were the best defense in the nation. And now I'm like, mm -hmm. and now I'm and now of course we're gonna we're gonna lose the game thirty five forty two or something. So I, I, dude, I don't even know. <laughs> dude, I genuinely have no effing idea. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't suck. It's just crazy because it's, it, it's, it's not even like surprising. It's just a close game, right? It's, it's, it's gonna be. It's a very close. It's game. gonna be a close game. My feel is that it will probably be lower scoring than most people think. It's probably mm -hmm. going to be in the thirties. 
I'm probably going to change my my answer back to what I originally had it at because I think now that I've talked myself, see, see what I'm saying? I'm just talking myself in, around in a goddamn circle. I think it's going to be All right. You got to leave it. Thirty one. Leave look, it. Fine. Thirty one twenty seven. That's what I originally said. Shit. Fuck yep. me. <laughs> and and like. All right. Look. I don't even. I don't even know. I don't even know. I kind of think we'll lose, but if we don't, like, fuck. I guess I have to leave to go to. Hey, I hope none of my family listens to this because if we go to the Fiesta Bowl, I have to leave on Christmas Day. Woo! Whoops. So let's get into our favorite segment of the show, the Ask CBC portion. This is honestly we always we always say favorite, but like this year, it's like a hundred percent yes, or this week, it's a hundred percent yes, the favorite because I do not want to talk about this game anymore. um so if you want to hear your questions on the show make sure you get them to us before we record with the hashtag ask cbc or through gmail which i did find them this week uh i have to apologize to what is your name what is your name uh trip haskins that we missed your questions last week because we neither of us checks our email which is really on me but you know hey you're here this week and we're apologizing saying your name and we're gonna ask your question anyway so First question comes from the 984. Was that the most aggravating 52 to 7 win ever? No. Not even <laughs> close. Did anyone what was? Did anyone get injured? Did we lose a player for the year? That's true. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's aggravating that we don't have like for we don't have for like half of a uh for half of a year or for half of a half of the game we don't have George Pickens, but like nobody like had an ACL tear or anything. Yeah. Hey, I did have somebody, uh, a good friend of the show and my, me, a good friend of mine, <laughs> uh, Ben Pulaski asked over the weekend, he said, um, do I think that George Pickens is the next Isaiah Crowell? Nah. And I want to hear your thoughts on no, that. No, I know he's not. Next question. Next question comes from Zach Callett. What does LSU stand for? Wrong answers only. <laughs> Loose shoes underwear. <laughs> Long snouts up there. That's one word. Uh, no, I got I, I got a better one. Long snakes. Uh. <laughs> Last something up. What? Why are you turning all yours into questions, man? <laughs> Loot shaming. <laughs> Loot shaming. Uncool. <laughs> there it is. Here's the oh, best part: is that's a very different that's a very different abbreviation if it's L U T E or if it's L O O T. <laughs> it's very true uj annihilus next question do we have to go to this game um no in fact you really don't because the current get-in price for this game is i mean I, last i checked was 240 for upper level now 183 is what i'm saying okay it went down a little bit 183 is the get-in get price here 170 but we're, we're talking about 200 bucks for the upper level for bad seats but uh, it's not, i mean in zone or whatever i mean i'm going and so is my wife, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you don't have to go to this game at all. It'll actually be pretty easy to not go to this game, honestly. UJ Nihilist, I don't know if I want to see behind the curtain, but I'd watch the game with you if you want to watch it. <laughs> I We don't have to go to the game okay, together. So I, I've been trying to like slowly dox UJ Nihilist, and I still don't know mm-hmm. who they are. But I just feel I feel like I'm like five years away from perrowing this thing. Just I'm gonna I'm just gonna slowly deduce it down we'll figure it out and I'm not, I, I don't actually uh, doxing is the wrong word i don't want to look anything up i just want to intuit it only based on uj nihilus's tweets we'll get uh you know classic corkboard yarn yeah no we will push don't pins worry. going on it's gonna happen 
big X's in circles. Harrison at Wow Cool Tweets. Which 1988 adventure family fantasy sci-fi film rated PG with an hour of 35 minute runtime where an alien trying to escape from NASA is befriended by a wheelchair bound boy? Would you equate to the win over Georgia Tech? Okay. And Nathan, I actually have uh, a guess and I have a link there that I wanted you to click on and see. I, is this, is this some Mac and me bullshit that you're about? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it is, you know, the gif of, uh, the guy from not what's his name i forget what the actor's name is but the guy from uh (laughs) (laughs) the guy from arrested development looking at the bag that says dead dove and just being like i don't know what i expected (laughs) the dadalorian winning's cool and all but have you ever done sideline push-ups after an onside kick recovery oh man no i haven't because i've had sex before oof Hey, I actually have a follow-up to that question uh, further down that I'm really excited about. We'll get to it in a second, though. Uh, Keith Schrader, over under Jake Fromm, 25 passing attempts. Over. And over under 75 receiving yards running backs. Under. Over and under? Yeah. Over, under. Yeah. Okay. Over on passing attempts? Is that what you said? Yeah, I think we're going to throw a little bit. I think he's going in. Yeah, I think, you know, shoot or shoot. Jesse Carver. What is the most points the dog defense can give up in a win? I mean, you almost you almost got to that earlier. Sixty nine. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Forty. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you want to be like ridiculous about it. Yeah. Okay. I can. You I can get real wild. Yeah, I could see UGA like you know punt return pick sixing its way to forty two points. Uh, Abby asks, what are your favorite things to do during the holiday season? I low-key love my ta- my small little town that I came from. And I don't want to live there, but I miss it. Mm. And so I just, it's I, nice I, I like back. going back. I like going back home. I like being able to hang out with my buds. I like, like living with my parents, sort of. I love giving presents. I love Christmas Day present opening. I'm just like a real Christmas slut. I just, I love Christmas. I- like, if you are friends with me personally on Instagram... Uh, if you're not like whatever fuck you um <laughs> i'm joking don't friend me on instagram i might not answer um but uh if you're friends with me on instagram you will see that my house is the interior of my house is covered with twinkly christmas lights mm-hmm. covered i didn't even have I, like you can only put 10 you can only put 10 um you can only put 10 pictures on instagram posts and i had way more than that there are more lights than i've shown you know these these uh these moving pictures now these days that you could you um that you could show all of them. Yeah, it, but that's not like. quite as curated as what I was going for. <laughs> okay. Um uh, I abs- if this is probably pretty on brand for me because I'm apparently like the cuddly cute one that likes all the dogs. Uh I absolutely love Christmas and if you're a Christmas slut then I am like I'm not sure what's what's more than a Christmas slut in this situation. But I love all of it. I love the sweaters. I like being cold. I like being cozy. I like my family. I like giving gifts. I like finding the perfect gift for people. Yeah. That's like, that's one of the most satisfying. Uh, Rhino Redhawk asks, isn't it kind of nice to play a team you don't really hate? I feel like we don't play LSU enough to have like a true hate, hate, hate style rivalry with them. Yeah. No, it is. It's great. It's amazing. It really is. It's kind of nice. Next question comes from <laughs> Threat Bacham. He asks, hey, can you cover basketball band tomorrow night? Yes, although I didn't end up having to. Also, I nice. also I'm like like I could cover basketball band because like I understand sports and stuff, and I know when to play what songs. But I'm a really bad conductor, so it would be kind of a nightmare. I'll cover it, Brett. I'll be there. 
Trip Haskins. This is the one that came through Gmail that we actually missed. So uh, let's look through this real quick to make sure oh, no, that I, it still uh, makes sense. If you sense. replace triple option with Joe Burrow, it totally works. Okay, so I'll read it that way then. Which do you think will be hired this Saturday? The number of times that the broadcast mentions Joe Burrow, the number of times that Georgia runs inside zone, or the number of shots until I start to rationalize and justify running inside zone? The answer is once and always inside zone. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> inside zone now, inside zone forever. I'm not trying to quote George Wallace. God damn it. Why did you steal that construction? Uh, Ryan Clark asks, do you think Nick Saban dreams of Rodrigo all night? I don't think Nick, I think Nick Saban, I'm going to steal this from every day should be Saturday and say Nick Saban has a learning disability when it comes to, I think he has an SLD about what, about, um, special teams. So no, I don't think he dreams any longer. Well, he's never dreamed. Do androids dream of electric street? Does Nick, do (laughs) Nick Saban's dream of Rodrigo Blankenship's? Incredible. Dirty Dan, which of you does the best coach O impression? Please provide examples. The answer to this question is my wife, but she won't do it. So, so you need to do then an impression of Samantha doing an impression of uh, Eddie O. <sighs> you do yours first. Okay. So I did watch his press conference earlier, and it's I mean, it's basically just a lot of gravelly groveling and whatnot. I loved it because like the, the the video starts and he starts right out into it and he goes, well, I'm, I'm excited for a football team, 12 and 0, everybody did real well. How about we go out and uh, go and, and there's just a bunch of football jargon from there on. And it's fantastic. So the thing about Edo, I think, is, and I'm not I don't do very well, but the thing is it's it's low, it's a little gravelly, but it's got that kind of Acadian sort of lilt to it. The posture of the mouth is kind of pulled back. He's got a big wide mouth and he kind of mutters out from under the front of his <laughs> face. And so He's the and widest it, man I've and ever it's seen. Not, and it's not real low because because you got to understand Tennessee twang is not far from Louisiana. Right. But it's got this little bit of and 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 there's never a stop in it. And that's the important stuff and the important thing. No. So it's just like, well, you know, the thing about it is I, I see I stop because I'm too I'm, I'm trying to do Appalachian Southern. I'm not trying to do it. That's just what I do. Right. But his is always just like, but you know, when it comes to cornbread, the thing you got to remember about cornbread is you got to put the bacon fat in the cornbread. And if you don't, then like ultimately what, what cornbread are you even doing? And, you know, I told this, I told these recruits out there when they get out there that these defensive linemen, you got to eat that goddamn cornbread. And just like, it's just like <laughs> kind of a patter. It's, it just goes. It's almost like if you processed Cajun through like, mid-atlantic accent the affected accent of broadway from the 1800s where it's almost like stage patter it's like if it's kind of like if the guy who is the kind of racist caricature of a cajun from the water boy did a modern married gentleman from (laughs) it's like it's like the water boy does pirates of penzance (laughs) i would kill i I would kill to hear ed orgerod sing um, a modern major general. I would love that. Gilbert and Sullivan as processed through like the Bayou. That's what it is because there's never, it's like he is like a boulder rolling downhill. And once you set him at something, he's like, well, I'm just going to recruit a bunch of five-star offensive linemen and a bunch of five-star defensive linemen. And then I'm going to find a good offensive coach. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to score five, 50 goddamn points a game. And it won't fucking matter. Will it? Huh? And then that <laughs> abrupt stop, abrupt fucking stop. Very like, somehow pulled back but also tucked under like sort of voice posture and like grumbly but only yelling grumbly it's not actually that low of a voice i think a lot of the grumbliness comes from the accent i thought a lot about Mm -hmm. this 
RxDog asks, the Latin-based term for killing yourself by jumping out of a window is autodefenestration. What would be the Latin-based term for suicide by inside zone? <laughs> inside in terms of like part of a house, I'm pretty sure is interius um, or intus, which means, uh, which I, I think intus is the, or intus is the, um, the prepositional, the prepositional form of inside, but uh, prepositions are weird in and Latin and so are building compound forms, verbs. What is the Latin word for area? I used to know this. I took a bunch of uh, Latin in, in high school. So it'd be like intus regio, which means like inside area, but then intus regio mortem, inside area death. Yeah, intus say, say it all together. In, intus regio mortem. But regio would not be, it would not be declined like that. Reg, it might be, it, and and it's never a soft G, so it'd be like regi mortem, something like that. If you want to just say inside zone death, that it'd be something like intus regio mortem. Bet you guys didn't know I took Latin. Uh, I bet plenty of people bet on that fact. <laughs> <laughs> Sambo asks if there are one thousand known universes, and how many of them do the dogs win? This, this is weekend? a really good, and this is a this question. is a really good question and a really good answer from you. I'm just going to step out of the way because this is a great answer. It's a really easy answer because SP Plus is, uh, it, it actually simulates a thousand different uh, simulations of each game and the percentage uh, that is given to us, but how many times we win out of those thousand simulations is exactly what I'll give you. 44.5 is uh, our percentage chance of winning this game, which means 445 of them, those known universes are the ones that we win in. Next question comes from Chandler Goldman. Two questions. First question is, does Fromm suffer from tiny hand syndrome? <laughs> Pose this question to him. <laughs> no, I'm going to say no. Pose this question. Because that dude is like hip deep in whatever he wants to be in. Oh, my God. <laughs> I posed this question to a few friends as a joke, but after some intensive research, there might be some truth. Fromm apparently has a hand size of 8.75 inches, significantly smaller than his SEC counterparts. Uh, for reference, to his hands are more than 10 inches. Uh, this may explain his inability to, and in capital letters here, says, grip wet balls. <laughs> I don't think that, again, I just want to say, because I don't want to be heteronormative, I don't think that's a problem. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about that also. <laughs> but the second question I will know, I know a lot about. Uh, how many sideline push-ups would Coach Jeff Collins have to do to become strong enough to beat One Punch Man? And I have mathed this. To so death. hold on. Doesn't one, one Punch Man has a very specific like number of push-ups he does a day. Yes. So uh, One Punch Man, Saitama. He's a titular character. He has said on uh, through the manga that his enormous power comes from his workout routine, which is 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, and a 10-kilometer run every day. And he did that for three days, three years straight, until he came. You know, he he manifested this power. So thirty three hundred sixty-five thousand so, push-ups. Yes, but, but times three. three. Yeah. So, yeah, and so. No, I did that right. So it's 109,500 push-ups, sit-ups, squats, and uh, 10,950 kilometers of running um, that he would have to do. So with that in mind, breaking that down, Jeff Collins, typically, when you're not counting his onside recovery uh, push-ups, I think he just did that to keep things going because it didn't look great for Georgia Tech. But typically, you know, a team will do push-ups when the team scores points. And so if you keep that in mind, their offense averages 1.2 uh touchdowns per game their defense averages uh, about 1.5 per game and so with that rate it would take georgia tech 3.7 games to hit a day's worth of exercise needed in one punch man's exercise routine okay to hit that 
100, 100. Okay, I'm with you. I'm uh, with you. So I follow. With, <laughs> with that in mind, it's going to take 4,051 and a half games to hit the three-year mark. Uh, since there's only 12 games a year, uh, since we know they're not getting to a bowl anytime soon, Yikes. it would take about 337 uh, 0.625 years for Jeff Collins to reach the, the three-year mark uh, and and reach One Punch Man's routine. If well, he's already immortal it. at that point, right? So, yeah, pretty much. So, I'll see you in hell, Jeff Collins, or something. Well, no, you won't, because he's immortal One Punch Man after 300 years of that. So yeah, that's I did the math. <laughs> you did. Uh, very last segment of the show, Doctor James Beerfield Troll Corner, presented by Cheerwine. It's that wine that gives you the diabetes. TM 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 TM. TM. Should Tyler Simmons's interview about the playbook give us hope? Um, yeah, I mean, I think just the fact that, I mean, yes, but also no in the sense that like every team has a lot of plays they haven't run. So I think it's really more about execution than play selection, honestly. But yes, that is mm-hmm. nice to hear. Especially coming from someone that has not had a stellar yeah. year in Tyler Simmons, like someone that's still speaking so positively of the program and still has hope. I think that should give you yeah. hope. Second question, I thought it was interesting, the stats about from pre and post-USC. Are there any significant stat differences in the defense pre and post-USC as well? Did this defense become elite because it had to, or was it that way all They were just always good. Always good. Always. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Georgia Tech told me, even though we won, that I would one day pump his gas. Does Atlanta still have gas lot attendance? Because I've never seen one. (laughs) Yeah, no, most, (laughs) well, like most Georgia Tech fans, that person was probably living in like the, the, you know, early 90s or mid 60s. Nathan, give me the lowdown skinny 411 on all this band drama from this game. <sighs> it's just, it, there was no band drama, and their band was cool. They let us use our pit. They were good hosts, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. I mean, they just their fans were not very cordial, and no fans are cordial, but just where we were, we had to be really right next to their fans. So that led to, I will say, uh, politely, some friction. My wife would like to know what kind of bee is GT. A yellow jacket, right? Which is is a yellow jacket yeah. a bee or is it a wasp? I don't think it's a bee, but oh look, I'm gonna look it out. Yeah, they're wasps. Okay. Yeah, predatory social wasp. Okay, predatory social wasps. That's just a funny string of words. Yeah, they wear they wear um, little hats and with like lace and then like um, pearls and stuff, and they go to each other's houses and have tea and. <laughs> They also have an identity crisis because they throw that car around everywhere, too. Like, car or B? You got to choose one. Yeah. Can't be both. Yeah. My wife also said that her kids were picking names for the class elf on a shelf, and the names were Hunter, Chris, Georgie, Cheesy Jr., and Santa Jr. We... Which would you guys have Okay. There, there's two. There's like three bad ones and two very good ones because Cheesy Jr. <laughs> Cheesy Jr. <laughs> makes me think that he's like Chester Cheetah's like, son who is... Like having kind of a weird phase and goes to way too many music festivals, right? Mm. Santa Jr. is just like <laughs> Santa, but he fucks, right? I mean, yeah, Santa, you know, please, you, Santa's my dad. You, yeah, call me Santa Jr. And you know, you know, Santa <laughs> fuck too, and that's fine. But like, he's like sexy Santa. Got Santa Jr. He's like sexy Santa, like Santa, but he wears like a red vest and red tailored pants and like a starch white cuffed up shirt, and he's like. Uh-huh. And but he has like a BDSM playroom in his house, but everything's red leather. <laughs> it's like he only wears jeans in that room. Yeah, he's a, that's a jeans. This room. is my sex velvet. A and B. Everyone's on the naughty list in the playroom. <laughs> you have to sign your name on the big old wanna, naughty list book before you go in. That's like his BDSM contract. I just want to take Cheesy Junior and make it like 
pull it further into like Lil Pimento. Or Lil something. Pimento. This is my elf on the show. Lil Pimento. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, and that's our our big ass, too big, very bad, uh, more than enough show <laughs> for the SEC championship game. If you like what you heard here today, uh, there are several things you can do so, to to support us. One, you can just be nice to us in general because we always appreciate that. And really, what is humanity about other than you know connection? And if you see us at a game or something, just be like, hey, I like your stuff, which a lot of you have done, and I want you to know really helps me get through the day Two, uh practically you could leave us a rating and a review on apple itunes or apple podcasts and or spotify and or just your just go shout out on the streets uh get it tattooed on your friend's back not on your back because you're a classy person whatever uh two you could find and follow us on social media at chapel bell curve on facebook instagram or twitter or if you want to talk to us you can get us there three you can hit us up over on Patreon, pay a little bit of money per month and buy a little bit. I mean, right now, literally a dollar and eventually those tiers are probably going to go up and I'm not trying to hard sell you. It's just like, come on, it's a dollar. Get over here, get in, get in the discord and, you know, enjoy this really cool community of folks that we got over here. Uh, and let me assure you that most of the draw is them and not us. Three, if you really love our logo, which is very good, you could hit us up on our Etsy shop. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just Etsy.com and then some kind of forward slash combination chapel bell curve, or you can search it or you can look and it's on our Twitter. If you want to get on our show notes as well and on our show notes. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or in the aforementioned, aforementioned Twitter, or you can email us at chapel bell curve at chapel at <laughs> I wish chapel bell curve.com or you can email us at chapel bell curve at <laughs> gmail.com. Uh, we will catch you this weekend. Well, one, I will catch you this weekend in the 404, which is a culture that I intend for UGA to reclaim because, I mean, we're going to win in there. We're going to we win there so much more than Georgia Tech does. And true. Uh, until then, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>